0: you will, let's take our Bibles and go to Psalms chapter number 57 tonight. Psalms chapter number 57. You can keep your seat tonight. I'm going to read the entire chapter. We're going to try to go through this chapter real quick tonight. Look at a few things I feel like maybe that we need to back up and grab a little bit more of from this morning. Maybe a little bit different light. Uh, and then be done with this uh, thought tonight, okay? Psalms chapter number 57, the Bible reads, starting in verse number one, says, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God most high, And the God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him. That would swallow me up, say law. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions and I lie even among them that are set on fire. Even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. Say, My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Wake, uh, wake up, my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great under the heavens, and thy truth under the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for these scriptures, and pray God you'd help us as we try to go through this chapter vaguely. The Lord, to finish out the thoughts you placed on our heart that we started this morning, and really and truly... Even a few Sundays back. and I ask that you'd help us tonight. We thank you. Praise you for all that you've done and all that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Now, uh, let me remind us real quickly. Just a few Sundays back, we preached a message on not losing heart. And then the following Sunday morning, we preached on David uh, and Absalom. And we talked about guarding your heart or guarding the hearts of the people. And then this morning, we dealt with the ministry of tears, but we were talking about having a broken heart, understanding that those two things correlate very closely together. And we touched on this a little bit this morning, but tonight I want to deal with having a fixed heart. Okay? So let's look at these verses of Scripture here and uh, try to get our thoughts together tonight. The Bible said in Psalms 57... And verse number one: Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in Thee. Now we are looking here in Psalms fifty-seven, and we're looking at a, a psalm that was written in a time when David had fled from Saul uh, out of the cave. All right, and uh, so let's let's continue looking here. It says, "For my soul trusteth in Thee." Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. In other words, I'm going to run to you and I'm going to use you to hide myself because of these calamities. And I'm going to stay there until these calamities be overpassed. Now, uh, a calamity uh, is any great misfortune uh, or cause of misery... Uh, uh, which cause great distress. So any, any misfortunes which cause, uh, great distress. And so I just thought there vaguely, uh, about all the calamities a man's seen in the past, in the past year, just the stuff that's happened. My wife was joking after church. Uh, Miss Tara had mentioned after church this morning that we all had to roll our uh, clocks back. And my wife said, I don't know that I want an extra hour in 2020. And uh, I'd say I'd have to just about agree with that, uh, the way things have been. But uh, nonetheless, David's saying here that uh, he was going to make the Lord uh, his refuge until these calamities be overpassed. So I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. So we see here that David is giving credit to the Lord for everything and all of the protection that David has had up until this point. And I'll tell you, if we'll remember to give God the credit for everything that's done, uh, He'll bless us and continue to bless us. But the moment that we take the credit from God and place it upon our own self, we're surely going to be in trouble. He said, He shall sin from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. So we understand here, no doubt, that there is an adversary after David. All right. And so and let me say this, this adversary uh, had uh, had more people uh, with him than David had with him. All right. And so it almost would seem as if David was outnumbered and really in somewhat of a pickle. But David had the Lord on his side. All right. David was on the Lord's side. So the Bible says in verse three, he shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Uh, God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. Then he says, my soul is among lions and I lie even among them that are set on fire. Even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue, a sharp sword. Now we've looking at verses one through four, we see a drastic, uh, drastic difference here. Suddenly we change gears in verse number five and David almost pauses and says, be thou exalted. O God. Above the heavens, let thy glory be above all the earth. It's almost as if David has taken a moment, a time out, if you will, to magnify and uplift the name of his God. And so I appreciate that. It says, verse 6, they have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves in other words they they've tried to trip david up and they're even tripping on their own selves. but everywhere he turns and no matter what he does or where he goes it's there's a trap that's laid for him i don't know about you but i feel that way sometimes i just feel like no matter which way we go or no matter what we're doing it's like you turn around and there's another snare another trap another another uh problem that's come up uh, from the adversary but, but I love this verse of scripture. And this is kind of where my heart is at tonight. And I just want to look at this for a few minutes. He says here in verse number 7. My heart is fixed. Oh God. My heart is fixed. Then he says. I will sing. And give praise. Awake up my glory. Awake psalter in heart. I myself will awake early. Now I want to call your attention to what's happening here in verse number 8. He's purposing, he's making it, purposing it in his heart that he's going to get up early for a cause. This cause is, verse number 9, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. And here is why. He said, for thy mercy is great under the heavens and thy truth under the clouds. I want you to understand here that verses 1 through 4 show us the severity of David's situation. Now, you do need to realize David, and when he's running from Saul, David has been called of Samuel to an anointed king of Israel And David is aware of what God's will is for his life. He knows what God wants him to do, but he's having a hard time getting there. And he's really having to go through this situation as it stands, not knowing really what's going to transpire or take place for him to come out on the other end. Now, to some degree, we know what the will of God is for our life. We know that we're to be about the father's business we do know generally speaking that we are to to live a life that's pleasing unto god uh and that we are to go out and try to win lost souls to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our father which is in heaven we understand what the expectation is from the church in a general sense and so uh, david knows what god's will is for his life and he's going through a a kind of a serious situation here uh, waiting on this time in his life to, to come to fruition and I think a lot of times we get like that we're, 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 we're purposing to try to follow the general will for uh, our life God's will for our life but in the process of trying to do all that you have all these issues that rise up and seem to get in your way but David's saying here in verses 1 through 4 he's talking about the seriousness of of his situation, but then he like it's like he rips the emergency break up, and he says, "Be thou exalted, O God!" He don't even fit with the first four verses of what he's saying. What he's saying, though, he's calling attention to his calamity and he's calling attention to his problem, and he's letting it be known that until his calamities are over, that he's going to use the wings of the Lord for refuge, and he wants it to be known in verse five: says, "Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens; let thy glory." Be above all the earth. In other words, David understands that God is worthy of being magnified and praised regardless of the calamity that David is in. And can I say to you, it's the same way with us. We run into trials, we run into problems, we run into the adversary, we find that there's a trap laid for us at every corner, and one slip of the foot, and we're caught. But I want you to understand God is still good. God is still magnificent. He is still great and he's greatly to be praised. And David is saying regardless of all the calamity and regardless of all of the troubles, I'm going to purpose in my heart to magnify the Lord. He says, be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. Simply, let me say this. His goal in his life was for the Lord to be magnified. Can I say in, in, in our life, in all that we do, we should do what we do to magnify and uplift the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And David's not just focusing in on his calamity, but he's saying amongst all my calamity, I want to magnify and uplift the Lord. You know, in, in our effort to do what God wants us to do and to navigate the minefield seems like that we have to navigate in this life, it's very easy to, as I said this morning, to get your heart uh, your heart to become hardened, not only towards your fellow man, not only towards your brother in Christ, not only to a lost and dying world, but sometimes to get a hardened heart towards God himself. And we forget how good and wonderful and magnificent is uh, the he is in spite of our calamities. And so we, we want to make sure that uh, in all things that we purpose in our heart to stop at times and just thank the Lord for his goodness and for his mercy and all that he is and all that he has done. So then he goes back to his thoughts. So he, it's almost like verse 5 is just sort of interjected in there between verses 4 and 6. In verse 6 he goes back and he says, They have prepared a net for my steps and my soul is bowed down they have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves, say, law. Then he says this, he said, my heart is fixed. Oh, God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Now, here's what I want you to see here. David is purposing. Everything you see in verse number seven, Brother Gene, is not by accident. It's not by coincidence. And it's not by happenstance. Everything you're seeing in verse number 7 is a decision that David has come to in his life. And he is determined and decided that he is going to praise God regardless of the calamity that he is in. Can I say if we are going to worship and praise God, we'll do it on purpose. And I want you to understand there's always, it's always an appropriate time to praise and worship and uplift the name of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. And so uh, he is understanding. That the Lord. Is the one that is responsible. For helping him. Verse 2 he says that. Uh, God that performeth all things for me. He said I will cry unto God most high. Uh, I will cry unto God most high. Unto God that performeth all things for me. He has has uh, gone back. And I want to say this. Uh, the, the people of Israel said. Saul killed his thousands, but David his 10,000. It'd be very easy in that moment in David's life for David to have got puffed up and lifted up in prime. And really, whether he knew he was responsible for it or not, it's a little bit of enjoyment there would have been to, to, to walk around and taken the credit, if you will, for what had transpired. But David was aware all along that that everything that he had accomplished, he'd accomplished through God and God's help. See, when he went and killed Goliath, he killed Goliath in the name of the Lord, not in his name. And so he was—he was aware that if, the, if Goliath, the giant, was going to fall, he was going to fall because of the power that God had given David to stand and do what David was needing to do. And so in this situation, David's not sure what the outcome is going to be. And David is running and David is finding himself in trouble, but he's still remembering that everything that's happened to him, uh, it's been performed because of God. All right. And so he says in verse seven, he says, my heart is fixed. When you fix something, it's, It's unmovable david has said i there's nothing that's going to change my heart in other words on purpose my heart is going to be what it is can i say to you tonight we need to purpose to set our heart towards god and to fix it and determine that no matter what comes up that we're not going to allow Uh, our calamities, our circumstances, our adversary, the traps that come up to take us out of the fight, we're not going to allow it to change our heart. So David is saying, my heart is what it is because I'm keeping it that way. But he says, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. Then he says, I will sing and give praise. In other words, whether I feel like it or whether I don't. Whether I'm having a good day or Or a bad day. Whether I'm having a fearful day. Or an okay day. Whether I'm having a day of sickness. Or turmoil. I am going to purpose that my heart is fixed. Oh God. My heart is fixed. And he says I will sing. And give praise. Can I be honest with you for just a moment tonight. I don't always get up in the morning. And raise my hand towards heaven. And say God I praise you. Sometimes I get up in the morning. And I'm gripping and I'm ill, and I'm trying to wipe the sleep out of my eyes, and I'm running late, and I, I grab the lunch, and I head out the door, and I'm gone. And it's sometimes 10, 11 o'clock before I've ever calmed down from the rat race and realized I've not even spoken to God that day. And David's saying here, look, i fixed my heart, and I'm purposing to praise. He said, I will sing and give praise. He says, i wake up my glory, awake softening heart. I myself will awake early, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. Can I say to you, let me, let me explain to you something here. David not only has fixed his heart. David not only has purposed to, to praise the Lord. Not only has he purposed to set a time aside, the first part of his day, to praise the Lord. But he says this, I'm going to do it in front of the people. Do you know it's important today that the people see us praise and give glory and honor to God. Anybody can raise their hand towards heaven when everything is okay. Anybody can say, Lord, I thank you for what you've done in my life when everything is balmy and rosy. But when trouble has come and calamity has set in and the the hell hounds are barking on your trail and you can't move one way to the left or one way to the right without stepping on a bomb or a mine or a trap or a hole in the ground that Satan has set for you, it's a little complicated sometimes to praise the Lord. But I'll tell you something, when you purpose to praise God and thank God for what he is and who he is in spite of our situation. People will take notice of that. And can I say to you, God is worthy of it, whether we have a, ever have another good day or not, Brother Gene. Because this life will soon pass away. And it's but a vapor anyway. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. But there's an eternity out there waiting on us. And we are citizens of another country. And one of these days we're going to be with the Lord. And the troubles and the trials that we have on this side of eternity will pass away and be a fleeting fault and we won't consider them anymore. But those that we leave behind will remember how we reacted to the life that we lived. And if you walk around with your lip pooched out, bragging the ground and stepping on it every day because of the discouragement in this life, people are going to see it and they're going to wonder what's going on. And they're not going to be interested in anything you've got or anything that I've got. And I want you to know something. I've got everything in my Lord and Savior tonight. I am a wealthy, rich individual. Well, Gene was talking this morning about uh, being content with such things as you have. Not always am I that way. But when I really consider how rich I am in the Lord, friend, I don't have anything, anything that should keep me from praising God. You say, preacher, are you telling me life's supposed to, I'm supposed to have a smile all the time. I understand there's trouble. Trust me. I understand what it is to, to, to feel like everywhere you go, there's a trap that's been laid for you. But I'll say this. When the Lord knows that we're going to fix our heart towards him and we're going to praise him in spite of it, friend, the Lord can help us through our problems and our trials and our circumstances. Let me say the praise that we give God is not circumstantial. He's good whether we give him praise or not. He's good whether we suffer a bad day or not. And he is he's deserving of that praise. He sent his only son to die for you and for me. And he's worthy to be praised. But David said, I will praise you, Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. In other words, I'm going to let my praise towards God be known. You know, everything that we do in this life, we should do it with the uh, understanding that we're not to boast or, or, or uplift ourselves and, and, and in any way. But it's always fitting to praise God where someone else can see you praise God. It's always good. Look, I have a bad habit, Brother Gene. I, I'm serious. I've had to work on this. I haven't a, had a bad habit of people saying, how are you doing today? And buddy, I'll just go ahead and tell them. I'll just go ahead and tell them what kind of bad damn i But I've had to learn and understand that even though I don't always feel like it. When they ask me how I'm doing, I just tell them I'm doing better than I deserve because if I got what I deserved, I'd be in the pits of hell tonight. And I thank God, and I want you to know tonight, God is a good God, and we don't deserve Him, friend, and we don't we, we, we don't realize it. We don't deserve what He's given us or what He's done for us. And so David said, not only will I, not only will I fix my heart towards God, and he said, I won't allow my situation or my circumstances to stop me. Uh, from 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 pointing myself toward God, he said, "I will praise the Lord among the people. I will sing unto Thee among the nations." You know, God gets pleasure uh, out of out of out of singing praises and glory uh, and giving glory unto His name. And sometimes, you know, I have a problem. I'll come into church and I'll be weighed down by things, and and I don't always sing with the right heart. But I want you to know, it's always right to sing praises. Unto God, Let me tell you something. You just get by yourself one of these days. And uh, you just get to dwelling on what God's done for you in your life. And you just sing a little tune unto God for his glory and honor. And see if he don't well up inside of your heart. And turn your mind around on your way of thinking for that day. I tell you what, the, it, it's comely to praise the Lord. And the Lord sometimes, you know, we feel like we got to have goosebumps. And we got to feel... Uh, wonderful inside before we can praise the Lord but I tell you there's been times I haven't felt like it but I purposed in my heart to begin to pray and thank God and just remember everything little thing that God's done for me to begin to thank him about it tell him about it and to be honest with you find out that I have to pull over on the side of the road because I'm so fogged up I can't even see where I'm going why because he is good and we fail to realize just how good he's been and David's realized here that it doesn't really matter how he's feeling it only matters that we give God what God is, is deserving of. So I'm afraid, let me, let me say this, we need a fixed heart tonight, okay? I'll try to hurry, but we, we, we need a fixed heart. What, I'm fear, what I fear is happening today in this land that we live, is we've not fixed our heart. We've not, we've not purposed in our heart that no matter what, we're going to do the very thing that David has purposed to do. And so what happens is, is through calamity and through the snare of the devil and through the hole in the ground by the adversary and everywhere you turn fighting this minefield that we get in, we begin to we get a little half-hearted in some things. And I read to you this morning, Colossians 3 and 22, where the Bible said, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Now let me let me explain to you what half-hearted means. Half-hearted means a portion of you is not sincere. You know, when you give someone your heart and you speak from your heart, you, you're, you're, you're exemplifying the sincerity that you have. We talked about the tears. You know, when you couple the truth with your tears, there's no doubt the proof is there that you care for the person that you're speaking to. But half-heartedness really means that a portion of Uh, uh, of one that's half-hearted is not sincere let me give you the definition of heartily Colossians 3 and 23 says and whatsoever you do do it heartily as to the Lord heartily is from the heart with all the heart with sincerity so half-heartedness no doubt is is you're missing a part of the sincerity And when people are half-hearted, they are only doing. Listen to me now. I know this is probably a little bit basic, but we've forgotten this tonight. People forget this. When people are half-hearted, they're only doing what is convenient. Why? Because there's not the complete sincerity that's needed to accomplish something heartily. And so when people are half-hearted, they're only doing what is convenient. Let me give you a little definition of convenient here. It's to have little trouble or free of effort. Now, it was David that said that he wasn't going to sacrifice anything to the Lord that cost him nothing. And he understood that the Lord wasn't going to find pleasure in something that didn't cost David anything. And I understand that obedience is better than sacrifice, but sometimes obedience takes sacrifice. And to be obedient to God, friend, you you cannot be half-hearted. So here's the thing. uh, The the half-heartedness, when people are half-hearted, they're only doing what is convenient. Convenient is uh, of little trouble or free of effort. So we understand that convenience has taken over everything in our society today. Everything, our lives, really, Brother Gene, are wrapped around convenience. And I kept thinking about that this morning when you were talking about uh, your your early childhood and going back into the hills and seeing those things and, and being able to relate to the things in comparison to what we have today, we have a life of ease and convenience. And so as I consider that and, and how convenience has just kind of taken uh, over everything, I, I began to feel like and, and, and start correlating that mindset to spiritual things. And, you know, godliness with contentment, brother Gene, is a great game, but that doesn't mean that we are to be content spiritually. But a lot of people are just happy being where they're at spiritually. All right, and so there's what's sad too is the church in general that has this mentality of convenience, they're convinced that they're bringing glory and honor to God. And I want us to understand something. I have to stop and, and, and from time to time reconnect and rethink about what it was, the sacrifice that was actually made for my salvation. Man, what a, what a huge uh, undertaking it was to, to, to have so that I could have the ability to be saved. And so people are convinced that they're doing something for Jesus uh, when, when it's always convenient. And I want to say this, God doesn't get any glory and honor out of us if we only serve Him out of convenience. We need to serve Him tonight out of conviction. Let me say that this, if there's no conviction to do what God's Word says that we are supposed to do, we're in trouble. And you know, we, we act like sometimes in the church and in church in general that we wanna we wanna we wanna do something. We wanna take part, we wanna have part in what's going on. But the thing about it is, is if we're not careful, the part that we play in church is just done half-heartedly. It's done out of convenience. When it's convenient to do something with the church, we'll do it, and when it's not convenient, uh, we won't do it. And so uh, I want to say this. Uh if there's no conviction to, to do what we know that God wants us to do, I'm talking as simple. Listen, and I'm I'm not picking tonight, and I know you're here because you want to be here. All right, but this will go on the radio, and this will go on the internet, and you know, the dog that barks is the one that gets hit by the rock, Brother Gene. So if you bark tonight, maybe this is for you. I don't know. But what I'm saying is this: we we start looking at, at convenience and conviction. What about just getting to God's house? What about just getting in there and being faithful for the cause of Christ? I keep thinking about it, Brother Marvin, and I consider over and over again, and I don't mean to sound like I'm just a broken record, but I think about the Bible when it says to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, but exhorting one another. I just can't get past that part of that scripture exhorting one another do you know if you're not here you may miss a blessing but if you're not here you could beat someone out of it and so there's there seems to be no conviction in all areas of life uh, spiritual matters today but we want we want to be useful and we want we want to be needed and we want to help and we want to do these things but we want to do it a lot of times based on convenience. And that does nothing for the glory and honor of God. And let me say this. When we know what is right. And we excuse it. You don't have. I want to say this tonight. You don't have to excuse it to me. You really don't. I'm not the standard. But if you know that you can stand at judgment. And give the Lord the excuse that some people give to me. And you feel like God will accept that, then don't worry about giving it to me because I don't need it. It's between, really, it's between you and God. But let me say this. uh, As far as conviction is concerned, we, we, we we want to be useful and we want to be needed and we want to do things. But if we don't follow the conviction of doing what God wants us to do, we're not the ones that need to be given out the help. We're the ones that are needing. We're the ones that stand in need of it. So I would suggest to you that 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 we start considering what God thinks about it and not always considering what our fellow man thinks about. It, okay? Listen, let me let me say again, I understand some people have to work and I understand people get sick and I'm not talking about all that per se. Here again, I am saying if God will excuse it, then you don't have to explain it to me. But if God won't excuse it, see, when I start thinking and I start considering Him and I, I wonder how much of what we think and how much of what we do when we weigh it up against Christ and what Christ done for us, if it's really excusable or not. Can I say this, coming to church and doing things that God wants us to do and taking part in the church and and being a part of the church and going out and winning lost souls and letting our light shine, those things are not optional. God didn't say if you feel like it, it's okay, you just go ahead and do it. But there's times when we're not going to feel like it. David right here in Psalms 57 was having a real rough go of it. And everywhere he turned, the adversary was ready to chew him up and spit him out. But he said this, I have fixed my heart. Can I say to you, if we're going to be anything for God and we're going to have God's power and we're going to have God's leadership, guidance and direction, we are going to have to purpose to have it. We are going to have to purpose to fix ourselves in that direction. So we treat things as if it's optional. And now there's a lot of people, you know, they'll come to church when it's convenient, but they won't come by conviction and they won't do things unless it's convenient. And they won't do it by conviction. And I want you to understand something. God is not going to bless that. All right, so we will not succeed in staying faithful, truthful, and useful if we do not purpose to do it. Now I understand that we don't have the ability. And I understand that Paul says that his sufficiency is of God. And my sufficiency is indeed of God. But my circumstances do not control whether or not God is good or whether or not I praise him or whether or not I worship him. Or whether or not I do what it is that he expects me to do. Because here again, David's saying that I'm going to do it, but I'm going to praise the old Lord among the people. And I will sing unto thee among the nations. David understood that David was one that had slain his ten thousand. David understood that David was under a microscope. David understood that people had seen him. And David also knew that people not only had witnessed what God had done through him, but they were still watching him. And David still happened to deal with the problems of life like everybody else has to deal with. We all have problems. David David was eat up with problems, Brother Gene. Everywhere the man went, he was dealing with problems. But it didn't change his mind on whether God was good. And it didn't change his mind on whether or not he was going to praise the Lord and worship the Lord in front of the people. Now that's not to pat me on the back or you on the back, but it's to say this, we're to exhort one another and so much the more. As you see that they approach it. I need, I need help. You need help. We need each other. We have to help each other. And so I mean we 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 must be faithful. We must be fixed. We must be serious about what it is that we're doing. We must be serious about it, okay? So David says, My heart is six to God, my heart is six, I will sing and give praise. Well, let me let me mention this to you and, and then we'll try to wind her up here, okay? But I was considering what J. Wilburn Chapman had to say. And I thought this was interesting. I accidentally come upon this. And so I, it, was a, it was a pleasure to get to read what he had to say. But he said a ship is fine in water. It's when the water gets in the ship that problems start. He said it's when the water gets in the ship that it starts going down. And so here's what I want to say This we're in we're in turmoil and uh, we are in trouble and we are going through a life struggle. And we do have an adversary. And I can I remind you tonight for just a little bit that we have an adversary and we feel the effects of the fight because we're heading in the right direction. If you weren't heading in the right direction, you wouldn't have the fight. So let me say this if all your life is wonderful and rosy and balmy, and you've not had a tear in your eye in a long time, and there's been no problems towards, uh, in your heart towards uh, feeling like you should do something, you might all check up and make sure you're right with God. Because there's a devil, and he's going to fight, and he's going to come, and he's going to attack. But he said, A ship is fine in water. It's when the water gets in the ship that it starts going down. Then he said this. Now, I love his testimony. He said, anything that dims my vision of Christ or takes away my taste for the Bible. Now, Let me let me pause right here. You realize we always try to determine if what we do in this life or what we're involved in is sin or not. Now think about that. Well, I don't have a problem doing that. It ain't sinful. Well, they do it and I, and I don't do it or they don't do it and I do it, but it, it's not sinful. It may not be particularly wicked, but let me let me explain to you this. He says anything that dims my vision of Christ, or takes away my taste for the Bible study, or cramps my prayer life, or makes Christian work difficult, is wrong for me, and I must, as a Christian, turn away from it. You know, it would be a good day when we quit actually trying to walk around and determine if this is sinful. That's it for That's all right. If this is okay. Really understand that if it's robbing us from being what God wants us to be, And it's taking away us from praying. And it's taking away us from our Bible study. And it's taking away from us doing what God wants us to do as Christians and believers. It is wrong for us. It is wrong for us. Psalms 57 and 9 says, I will praise you, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. He sung and praised the Lord without it being optional. I love that. Now listen, David was just doing what God had called him to do anyway. You know, when you submit yourself to the will of the Lord, the purpose—what causes a person to submit themselves to the will of God? It has to be because you care about what God thinks. I didn't wake up one morning and decide I was going to be here doing what I'm doing. And there's been some times throughout this thing where it ain't always been fun and easy. What I'm saying is though, you make the determination, is this what you want from me, God? And if it is, you go in that direction, life, because you know the importance of being in the center of God's will. It's great to be in the ship and have the ship in the water. It's a bad thing to be in the ship and the water's coming in the ship. And so we're we're, we're trying to be where God wants us to be because we can't afford to be anywhere else. And so we've yielded ourselves. And David understands that, that all God wants out of David's life is to bring glory and honor to David. Whether that, whether that be uh, being a king, whether it be pastoring a church, or whether it be scrubbing the commodes. It's just whatever God wants from us as individuals, we give it to God because we want to bring glory and honor to God. And David's saying, you know, it's fitting and right for me to do that no matter what my circumstances It'd be a great victorious day when we realized that we can praise God and magnify His name and bring glory and honor to Him and the circumstances doesn't control that. It never should control that. So he sung and praised without it being optional and David was after all just doing what God had called him to do anyway. A surrender of life is a life that brings glory to God. And David could glorify God whether he was the king or not. and We can all glorify God no matter where we're at in this life. And I thank God that I don't have listen, I don't have to be uh some kind of super overachiever. God, Brother Marvin mentioned it again the other day. I think he would make it today. He was just talking about what God wants out of us and how God really don't need us. And at the end of the day, when you think about it, God don't need us. He said, If I were hungry, I would not tell thee. Why? Because we couldn't do nothing about it anyway. But I tell you what, if I was hungry, I know who I'd talk to. So what what I'm saying here is it's always right. It's always right to, to praise the Lord. It was important that God be magnified in front of the people. It's still important today to realize that we have an audience that's watching us. And it's not about us. It's not about us. But David was aware that ten thousand that people were coming and saying, Oh, David has killed his 10,000. And I believe David understood the importance of making sure that when David was in a place in his life where he wasn't killing ten thousands, David wasn't killing ten thousands right here. David was running for his life. But David still said it was important in front of the people to praise, and worship, and magnify God. And can I say to you, no matter how rough it gets, no matter how problematic life gets, no matter what comes our way, we must be careful to realize that we're standing in front of a lost and dying world that needs to see us lift our hands towards heaven and say, God is good whether my life is going great and God is good whether it's going bad. And one of these days, I will be with Him for all of eternity. Psalms 126, quickly and I'll be done. Psalms 126. Now, we read the latter portion of this chapter this morning. I want to start in the front part of this uh, passage of Scripture. Psalms 126, starting in verse number 1. The Bible reads in Psalms 126 and verse number 1, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream in other words you know you've heard us you've heard people say that they're dreaming of things oh I was just dreaming about how wonderful that would be what we're finding here is they were dreaming he says when the Lord turned again the captive design we were like them that dream it was just like a dream come true that they were getting to go back and it did not seem real and it was that awesome to them that it was like a dream. Had come to fruition. So when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. We were like them that dream. We understand that the, the remnant is being returned back to Israel from Babylonian captivity here. Verse number two says then. Notice that then. So when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. We were like them that dream. Their dream had come true. And it says then was our mouth Filled with laughter. You realize when we read Psalms chapter number 57, we don't see one thing in that Psalm about David laughing. We don't see one thing in this Psalm about David smiling. We just see David saying, My heart is fixed and I'm going to do this regardless of anything else. And so we find here in Psalms 126 that the remnant then was our mouth filled with laughter, there was joy. There was happiness. There was something on the inside that was overflowing and bubbling up because it was as if a dream had come true that the remnant was headed by. So then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us. Whereof? We are glad. And I'm afraid sometimes, if you'll allow me to say it this way, I think we have a Psalms 126 attitude, but rarely do we have a Psalms 57 attitude. We take our circumstances. Do you realize their circumstances right here in Psalms 126 was, was, was awesome? They were getting to go back to their homeland. They were tickled to death. It was as if a dream had come true, and there was laughter on their tongue because of the joy that swelled up inside of them. If we have to wait for joy to sing and praise the Lord, I'm afraid, friend, that we're going to rob ourselves out of a blessing and we're going to rob the Lord out of everything that's due His name. It's wonderful to praise the Lord when things are going good. It's wonderful to tell the Lord we appreciate Him and sing songs unto Him when things are going good. But when things are going bad, if we've not fixed our heart like David did, we'll find ourselves with a half hearted attitude and we'll really find out that everything we do, we do out of convenience and not out of conviction. And the moment that we get to the place where we only serve God out of convenience and we don't serve Him out of conviction, We're not doing anything for the Lord anyway. The Lord's getting the glory and honor out of our life, and the Lord will not be able to use us in the capacity that He wants to use us. I don't feel like we need any piano playing tonight. I would that you'd all stand, bow your heads for just a moment. We're going to pray. If you need to come and do business with God, you come and do business with God tonight, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the service tonight. We thank you that you've shown us tonight, Lord reminded us tonight that you are worthy of our of honor and praise from our lips. And God, you're worthy of it whether we're having a good day or whether we're having a bad day. And I'm asking you, Lord, I've had many a day. It was like Psalms 126. I woke up, I've looked around, I've seen my family had good health. I had food on the table, clothes on my back, you've met my every need. Not only that, Lord, but there's been instances where you've gone above and beyond and even given me sometimes the desires of my heart. And Lord, joy just bubbled up inside of me and I sang praises unto you and I thanked you. But I'm ashamed to say that there's been times when I've found myself in the minefield of life and the adversary has tried to overtake me and they've been holes in the ground and there's been a net set before me to trap me. And I can honestly say that I didn't have my heart fixed like David did. Lord, I'm asking you tonight to take the word of God and help us as your people. Not to do what we do out of convenience, but to do what we do out of conviction. And when when we weigh what we do by what you've done for us, we'll find that a lot of our excuses are just that, they're excuses. And Lord, I don't want to stand before you knowing that I had a bunch of excuses that i would lived my life in my service to you based on convenience. But that I did what I did out of conviction. Help us, Lord, once again. Help us once again to be a church and a, and a body and a people, a Lord, and families that just have deep-rooted convictions. That no matter what comes, no matter what goes, we're going to be found faithful doing what it is that you want us to do, being what you want us to be so that we can make a difference in the lives of those. And Lord, that we can praise you among the people and sing songs among our nation and people can see, Lord, that we honestly do believe that you're worthy to be praised in spite of our circumstances. And you are are worthy to be praised. Lord, we thank you. What art man that thou art mindful of him? Lord, I don't know. I'll never know the answer. I'll never know what you've seen in me. I'll never know what you've seen in these people, but Lord, I know that you love this and we thank you for that. Help us, help us. I pray, God, remind us afresh not to live our lives out of convenience, but out of conviction. I pray, God, you'd bring conviction. I pray, God, you'd bring deep conviction. If there's someone here tonight that's got a problem in their life that's causing them to serve you out of convenience instead of conviction, I pray, God, that you'd convict them and deal with them on that. Souls are in the balance Hell's still enlarging itself every day. We still got families that are lost and undone and on their way to hell. And I pray God you'd remind us to just keep us in the forefront of our, keep it in the forefront of our mind that you are worthy and greatly to be praised. Help us to fix our hearts tonight to purpose in our heart that no matter what we're going to give you what's owed unto you in spite of our position and our circumstances. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. If I can at this moment, I'm going to have the ushers come.